know you because you live in me. I'm a living example, like I'm a living recognition of your being. Like look, if you can look in the mirror and really believe that shit, like believe it, like that you are a walking representation of many ancestors that you have never seen before, but actually you see every single morning when you look in the mirror, it changes it up, y'all. It changes that mental, like that mental unhealth, or that's not the right way to say it, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. I know what she means, and by the end of this episode, you all will too. For new and timeless listeners, I'm your host, Amarachi. I'm honored you've joined me and hopefully subscribed to The Fragmented Whole. The Fragmented Whole is a podcast series that examines black, brown, and underrepresented narratives of resiliency, reconciliation, and the revisioning of relationships with self, others, and the world at large. The audio that opened today's episode was recorded in April when I attended the second annual Women of Color in Solidarity Conference. As a quick refresher, this weekend conference, co-founded by Florcy Romero and Cheyenne Wizard-Jones, provides women, femmes, and gender non-binary people of color an array of workshops that provide radical spaces of healing rooted in love and liberation. The first workshop I attended was that of today's guest co-host, Jana Lynn Umipig, also known as JL. JL's workshop, Decolonization as a form of mental health practice exposed me to methods of self-care that emphasize recognizing and connecting with my ancestry while simultaneously recognizing and revisioning my colonized identity. Before we even hop in today's episode, if you didn't check out last week's, please do so. This season, each episode builds on top of the last and it's critical to pick up the gems in the order they're laid. It's steps to this healing thing, y'all. With that said, let's meet JL. I just want to thank you first and foremost for taking the time out to talk to me. Um, really appreciate it. Like, ever since I met you at the conference, <laughs> just following your work on Instagram and social media, like, your work is just dope. So I'm just <laughs> super excited to just, like, be able to feature you on my show. Um, so thank you first and foremost. Okay. Um, so... I was going, like, I went to your website, and the work you do with social justice, healing, theater, and decolonization is quite um, multi-layered and nuanced. So could you give the listeners a snapshot of the work you do? Really, like, really, you can either do it individually, like, as an educator, (laughs) artist, et cetera, or you can just do it as a whole. Because, like, it's your story, so, yeah, yeah, just narrate it as you choose. Well, I feel like... Uh, it's really important for me to say that none of my work is ever separate from each other. Everything is very intertwined. I feel like at any point that I'm um, working as an artist, I'm also doing education work. Anytime that I'm doing my education work, I'm doing uh, healing work, and I'm always carrying my ancestors with me in all of that. So the root of uh, my work began with me being an artist. Uh, theater and visual art has always been kind of my space of expression and my space of comfort and my and my own healing space. And from there, it kind of expanded. And uh, my activism became like the next catalyst that was really like incorporated into my world. And my art just could not uh, exist without speaking about the things that I was really seeing about 
society and just like my opinions around things and just the ways in which I envisioned a different world for us to live in. And then from there, it really deepened into uh, me diving deeper into like my decolonization work because uh, the cultural practice is very, very important to me. You know, growing up a daughter to immigrants um, from the Philippines, it was very difficult because they really wanted us to acclimate to the United States and just being um, a child of the Americas and what that really would look like and being separated from the motherland. And there's something that was always really deep inside of me that my grandmother actually helped to nurture that allowed me to still connect to my culture and really feel a deep love and rootedness uh, with that part of who I am. And so that, you know, expanded a lot more in my activism. Um, and then, you know, I feel like everything else just kind of comes from those those realms. <laughs> uh, and like you said, it's very, very complex. A lot of folks always ask me, like, what do you actually do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I just live. Uh, mm. And I'm in a constant space of expressing um, based off of this journey of remembering who I am and knowing who I am for myself, for my ancestors who uh, may not have been remembered, and also for my children in the future and their children. You know, we, it's kind of like a trail. (laughs) And I feel like I have to dig up a lot in my life. And so a lot of my expression and a lot of the sharing that I do is because I don't want uh, those in the future from my lineage to have to dig for me, you know? Mm. No, that's real. That's real. <laughs> As you can already see, JL's work is quite layered. She recently began distributing Kapwa Tarot decks, which you can purchase on her website at JanaLynnCreativeProductions.com. Drawing upon some biology, images, and icons from the Philippines, and ancestral teachings, the deck is an offering to communities for guidance, empowerment, healing, and remembering. I had the honor of having Jana do a one-on-one Kapwa tarot card reading with me at the conference, and the cards did not lie. The reading struck a nerve with me that I had to discuss with my therapist, Shaniqua Anderson, which many of you had the pleasure of meeting in last week's episode. My session with Shaniqua touched on my communication, or lack thereof, of boundaries and the need to revise such habits. Let's take a listen. Growing up, like, whenever my parents were, like, disappointed or sad about something, Mm -hmm. particularly when it was, like, with me in particular, like, the way I... I understood my communication with my parents. Because mm-hmm. when they were upset about something, they didn't talk to me. Yeah. Like, my dad was upset. I yeah. wouldn't hear from him for a long period of time. Silent treatment. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like my mother. Mm-hmm. She was silent for all those months. Mm-hmm. And then when I reached out to her, mm-hmm. she started talking. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I realized, in a way, I do the same thing. I mimic their behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um... So I told you I got like that tarot card reading thing. Yeah. And so it was funny because um, what the cards kind of reveal mm-hmm. is that like 
the first card was it was um it's like Philippine yeah. type card. Mm -hmm. So the first card was about like hermitage oh. and about how like you create boundaries. Yeah. But you don't communicate the boundaries. Yeah. So people are confused about why you yeah. doing the things you're doing. Yep. It makes sense because you're protecting yourself. Yeah. But like if you don't tell people, they don't know how to respect your boundaries. Exactly. And so they keep like yeah, it's like hitting the boundary. Yeah, but with their head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that sometimes it's difficult because, like, mm. I don't know what it is that, like, I can't say, like, stop yeah. or like you're doing this. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like I don't want to like hurt them mm -hmm. or like I am afraid or mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. then the second card was like um was a masculine energy mm. like whatever that they, like the, the the bear is it's, it's a masculine energy that yeah. you're like dealing with mm -hmm. that like you're in conflict with yeah and the third card was kind of i think the third card was about like community uh, um oh, wow. and how like not my, or actually that might have been a, a fifth card but yeah. basically it was about like whatever this bat barrier this masculine energy yeah. that you're dealing with yeah. you're gonna overcome it but like the is yeah. like you're gonna overcome it by like your community like Got in it. conversation or mm -hmm. learning or observing mm -hmm. within your community okay and then the, uh, the card above the masculine energy uh -huh. was a card that was like um it's gonna be difficult for you to overcome the barrier because it surrounds you you, you live within you yeah um, within whether it's physical or meta like or metaphorical uh -huh. you're just within it yeah so it's gonna be difficult for you to overcome Got it. So it's, do we know it's going to be a challenge, and what else do we know to be true about these I will overcome. You'll overcome it. Yeah. So what did that reading teach you about silence? I gotta stop that shit. You gotta stop that shit. <laughs> you have to. Right? And it doesn't mean that there aren't certain things that you do need to let roll off you, because we can't be in every battle, but there's certain battles that you're, you're worth showing up for right it's worth it to you to speak right maybe it's not a full-on like you know for right but it's it's worth it for you to speak up it's worth it for you to speak up this season of the fragmented whole and this particular season of my life is about doing just that showing up for myself whether you're engaging in conversation with jl or just listening to her educate you can't help but reflect on how you view yourself in connection with your known and unknown ancestry. As I spoke with JL, I wanted to learn more about her roots as a Filipina American in order to understand her platform of honoring and paying homage to one's ancestors. Well, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, that's where my family migrated to. And then I lived a good portion of my life also in California. And uh, in Hawaii, we lived in a community that was primarily Ilocanos, which is very, very specific, right, to the Philippines. Uh, Ilocos is where my family is from in the northern part of the Philippines of Luzon. So I was exposed to a lot of our cultural practices in regards to commun community and in regards to, like, um, just the presence of, like, elders and their teachings. It's just, you know, and it's not like formal type stuff, right? It's just kind of like these are the peripheral things that you grow up with that you kind of pick up on, right? The things that were really um, thrust upon me by my parents was more about the American culture. Like you couldn't erase, like you cannot erase uh, 
who you are, right? Who you are and where you come from. It's just, it's always on you. It's on your skin. It's in your, it's on my parents' tongues, you know, it's, it's, it's also a part of like some of their behaviors and practices that are very subliminal to them or like that they just are inherently uh, carrying with them that are connected to our ancestors. Like that's, those things you can't switch up. I remember one point in my upbringing, me and my sister got into a little something and um, she was talking to me about like, you know, uh, why I kept wanting to go back to the Philippines um, mm. and why I was so interested. And she was like, yo, our parents didn't raise us, like, to be Filipino. They raised us to be American, right? Mm. And I told her, like, you don't get raised to be Filipino. That's who you are. <laughs> That's who we are, yeah. you know? And I feel like my upbringing was, was a very clear picture of that, right? My parents raised me to be American, but I will always be a Pinay, a Filipina, and an Ilocano. And so... Having to uh, really, like, and we use this word a lot, is remember um, ourselves. That's the work of decolonization, you know, and um, it's such crucial work in terms of survival in, in my life because there are just so many things about being raised to be American that really just diminishes who you are, diminishes, like, your ability to be empowered, your ability to have a voice and opinion, um, to be expressive. Like, as an artist, it is very, very difficult if you are uh, being driven by pop culture, society, capitalism, if that's what your mm. motive is around what you're creating. It's, for me, it becomes thankless, you know? It becomes... Mm. It becomes work that is empty, uh, and my my artistry is really driven um, by that deep connection to who I am and like really knowing who I am. Anything that I paint or anything that I speak or anything that I move to is really deeply rooted in my knowing of self and really honoring those who have uplifted who I am and have. Mm. Uh, live so that I could live, you know, mm. and uh, we lose sight of those types of things and we don't value that in terms of like capitalism, you know. I'm obsessed with language and enjoy unpacking what words mean and how they're interpreted. Words matter, y'all. The term remember is extremely critical to Jana's decolonization work. And I think we could all delve a bit further in understanding how nuanced it is. Another term that you keep bringing up that I really would like for you to elaborate on um, for listeners um, is you keep mentioning remember. And I think mm -hmm. we can take it in the context of, oh, it was a memory that we're remembering, right? Mm -hmm. But I think in your, one thing that I learned in your, um, your presentation at the Solidarity Conference was remember in the aspect of RE hyphen member. Um, mm -hmm. of one's spirit and soul and body. So could you, you, could you elaborate on that a bit more? For sure. The first time that I ever saw that phrase written out, and I want to be able to honor and to mm -hmm. make recognition to where it is that I learned um, from. But I, the first time that I saw that was in a poem that was written by a Filipina named Perla Daly. Um, and she's one of the founders of the Center for the Bailon Studies who um, which is an organization that I actually work and um, grow with. And uh, when I first saw that 
word written in that way. Um, it meant a lot in regards to just like my physical body um, and the idea of what it means to put yourself back together again. Mm. Um, there's also like some things around like Frarian, uh pedagogy around this idea of like what it means to have praxis of self and just uh, what it means to as a human being, continuously be in a place of uh, taking ourselves apart to really examine, like, who we are um, and all these different fragments that make us the person that we are and what it means to put ourselves back together in a way where we can see ourselves as a whole person, right? Um, remembering ourselves, for me, has, doesn't have anything to do with, like, leaving parts of ourselves out because I feel like that's something that people tend to try to do, right? Like, when we take ourselves apart, we see these parts that might not feel so good or might feel traumatic or might feel um, like hard things to look at of ourselves. And we feel like when we put ourselves back together that we should just keep all the good things, you know, or, you know, um, good, and I'll say in like quotations, because in actuality, what I think about when I think about remembering is really what it means to honor and to um, be in a position of understanding the whole self and and how even our challenges and the conflicts that we have in our life really make up who we are. So mm. in terms of remembering, um, a lot of the times when we start to remember and put together the pieces of our ancestry, what we begin to see first is actually the trauma, particularly mm. for folks who come from um, different countries uh, who are living in the diaspora away from their motherland who have been given identity, uh, like, parameters and structures that have been built off of, like, colonization, right? And when we think about the things that we first, when we start, first start to dig, we find a lot of trauma, and we find a lot of, like, oppression and hardship and struggle and compromise of self that has happened, um, and the demoralization of our peoples, the death of our peoples, like, we find those things. And it makes us really upset and angry, you know, so that's why you see a lot of folks, like, who really, um, in the beginning of their paths, like, kind of go through this um, surge of activism that's really, like, fueled by the anger. And mm. that doesn't subside. I don't feel like it has ever subsided in me, but what it's been paired with along the way in the remembering is also finding that through all of that, my ancestors were so resilient they allowed mm. themselves to, like, live. So we keep on talking about this thing of survival because I feel like that's what's really coming up for me today in terms of surviving, especially with the things that are happening on the Gaza Strip right now. I want to, mm. like, you know, um, oh, it's making me a little emotional. <laughs> but I want to, like, Take paint up to that. I want to paint up to that because there are so many things in this world that are, like, really um, to, I think it's persistent in regards to the way that we divide ourselves from each other. Mm. And so the remembering has to do with, like, yes, you know, this, this part, these parts of ourselves as individuals, you know, and that survival that we have, but also the survival of our peoples within our motherland and the survival of our global families and the survival of, like, our, our lands and our waters. And so the remembering is all of that understanding how we belong to all those things. And that's what has happened is we have forgotten our connection to each other. We believe mm. that we are separate from each other, and so it allows us to continue to destroy and destruct and cause death 
uh, and the remembering is this healing practice of taking a look at all of the things that have come to, to pass, including the traumas, and how and in which ways human beings have survived through all of that. I told y'all remembering is a complex word and process, and it's so essential to the healing process. Now, the honoring of one's ancestors sounds like a beautiful experience. And if you're like me, at least prior to my conversation with JL, you may be wondering how you actually go about doing it or enhance how you've been doing it. For those wondering, here's a few strategies. Um, For me, the biggest honoring uh, that can happen in terms of our ancestors is to honor ourselves, Mm. which is which is really, really, really hard work to do. Uh, something that I, that I spoke to you all about when we were in that workshop that you came through to was this truth that decolonization work is, you know, work that allows us to love ourselves again, right? We, we remember how to love ourselves again when we decolonize and for me, the loving of self is the loving of our ancestors and our descendants. Like, if we take good care of ourselves, if we honor who we are, if we stand in that with not just pride, but with love, with care, um, then we also are standing and in the love and care and the honoring, the respect of our ancestors and our descendants, you know? So one of the biggest things I could say to folks in regards to how to honor your ancestors is to like love yourself, to care for yourself, to to do the, the hard work of doing that every single day because it, it's difficult. You know, there are many moments that make us feel like we can't love ourselves. Oh, um, or, that, yeah, or that because others don't love us, it's hard for us to love ourselves. You know, it's just like mm. there's so many dynamics around that, but I feel like that's the number one thing. Um, and then in terms of just like, cultural, ancestral practice of remembering. Um, If you have any living ancestors in your life, which I know that many of us do not, but if you do, like, sit with them, listen to them, ask them questions even though they don't want to answer them and keep on asking because eventually they'll realize that they do want to answer them, that they do want to remember also, you know. I feel like it's been a whole lifetime of me like struggling with my mother and my father to like share with me stories about Mm. their, their lives um, in order for me to honor them properly. Right. Cause like, like there's so much that we just don't even know about our parents and how do we honor our mother and our father without even really knowing them, you know? So when we're Mm. talking about like honoring ancestors, like, let's talk about the living ancestors that we have not even learned how to honor properly. Um, you know, and, and, and so there's, there's that realm. And they can also lead us even further into understanding our ancestry more than we know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for me, uh, another thing, which is also a privilege and not everyone has the ability to do, but like returning back to your motherland does something real for your spirit and your mind uh, and and your spirit. And uh, so I would say also that, you know, a lot of the ancestral practices that I have um, dug up and that I, that I practice on my daily have come from uh, my continuous work of just 
being in spaces, you know, anytime there was a workshop, anytime there was like a, a, a talk, anytime that there was an individual that I could reach out to, to really like speak about something around my culture, like I would, I would make the time, I would push myself to build those opportunities and windows of learning of self, um, you know, gaining that knowledge of self in, um, those practices have come to me because of that. My conversation with JL concluded where it began, emphasizing healing as a lifelong process that is made more doable and enjoyable with the support of community. The folks are speaking about healing as like a really like um, pop culture, cultural type thing right now, right? Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of folks are looking for quick fixes around healing. Mm. And for me, it's, it's lifelong. It's always been, every type of healing is lifelong for your body, for your spirit, for your mind. That's like continuous because there are so many things in this world that counter that. Uh, So are you willing to really do the work Um, or are we just too tired? And does that mean we're going to lay down and the survival of human being is over, you know? Mm. And I think it's even I think it's even also too very important to add on to what you're saying of like, you know, are you going to take action to do the work? Or are you like going to get tired and lay down? But at the same time, I think it's also important to add that like with the work that, you know, we do as far as like social justice or healing mm-hmm. or et cetera. Yeah, there are periods of tiredness and it doesn't necessarily mean like surrender, but sometimes mm-hmm. taking the time with like conferences that I met you at to find yeah. community with others to recharge right. <laughs> and then get back to the work. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's key. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if you surround yourself with folks like that on a consistent basis, consistent basis, then you always have that room. Like, you know, mm. I have my core folks that, and they know I'd be calling them like almost every single day. you know and 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 you know it's so funny sometimes because I feel like a lot of folks don't don't reciprocate because I feel like sometimes some people feel like I'm too busy or whatever Mm. um but yo if I'm calling you all the time then you should feel very welcome to call me for real I tell oh my gosh yes I'm always so much like my 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 core people like they know I'm always like I always in my conversations with like hey thank you so much for being a vessel for me like if Mm -hmm. you need me please reach out like it's not a nuisance and if I don't pick up I will call you back like yeah yeah it's It's real it's real that's community you know or you know uh, and yeah. also communicating capacity, you know, like, yeah. if you don't have the capacity at the moment, at least, you know, say it, yeah. you know, when you do recharge or you need me to recharge, I'm here or whatever the case may be, but like yeah. expressing that capacity or kind of if you call me to expressing those boundaries, um, yeah, that's so key. Like, yeah. it, it's real. You really brought that delight for me. Oh, it's so um, real. It's so yeah. real. Because like, we know, you know we have full awareness of what are the things that like trigger us that make us feel um expended you know mm. and the refueling is necessary but it's just like for me like how are we doing that without it being responsive and it being just a part of our daily practice of our life so then mm. at any moment when some shit goes down we already have like those things that are surrounding us that are already holding us to begin with you know mm. and that's the way that i'm trying to walk in my life consistently is like how am i already set up 
for any moment when something happens so that my reaction or my response doesn't have to be one that feels like it's overwhelming or like it's it's too much for me to handle you know it's like how how and this is the thing for me is like what I kind of began with in the beginning of our talk is like how does everything in my life serve each other you know like how does all of it serve the greater whole of my existence and my Mm. survival and my living I want to thank you all for tuning into this episode of The Fragmented Whole as we explore the ties that unite and divide us to ourselves, our peers, and the world at large. This episode would not have been possible without our guest co-host, JL. You can follow JL's current and upcoming works on Twitter and Instagram at JL Creator and Facebook at Jana Lynn. That's Lynn with two N's, Umipig. That is U-M-I-P-I-G. Be sure to also check out her website, www.JanaLynnCreativeProductions.com. I'd also like to recognize my therapist, Shaniqua Anderson, LMSW, who was briefly featured in this episode. If you are interested in learning more about her services, you can contact her via email at SendersonLMSW at gmail.com. Shout out to Marshallese Jedi for the music used throughout this episode and Squarespace for the website design and assistance. A special shout out to Ali DeLeon for this outro music entitled Morenita India Dominicana. I saw her perform this track at the Women of Color in Solidarity Conference and thought, hot damn this woman is fire. And I knew we had to collaborate. Ali is an independent recording artist born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. You can find more information about Ali's upcoming music, videos, and performances on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You can also follow her work on Instagram and Twitter at Ali De Leon, A-L-I-D-E-L-E-O-N Music. Ali De Leon Music. Stay tuned for this season's upcoming musicians and poets. I'm just getting started. Speaking of all this music, be sure to follow the Spotify playlist for season three of The Fragmented Whole, entitled, Shit, I Love Myself. This ever-growing playlist was curated by me and features a number of uplifting and empowering tunes. I think the title of it is self-explanatory. Now go forth and conquer. Be sure to follow The Fragmented Whole on Facebook and Instagram at The Fragmented Whole, that is W-H-O-L-E, and Twitter at Fragment underscore Whole. You can also find this information on the official website, www.thefragmentedwhole.com. You can follow me, Amarachi, on IG at Hella underscore Chic. That is C-H-I-C, Chic, not Chick. And Facebook at Amarachi and Akaranye. Tune in next Monday for the newest episode of The Fragmented Whole, where we piece together the news and self. Until next time, I'm Amarachi, a fragmented whole, and I'm signing out. Be safe, y'all.